Somebody ought to lift your hands and lift your voice a little bit higher tonight. Come on, lift your voice a little bit higher tonight. Woo! Come on, I'm going to lift it higher. Higher than my problems. Higher than my circumstance. Higher than my struggles. Higher than the mountain in front of me. Hey! Somebody shout yes. Shout yes. Clap your hands if he's taking you higher tonight. Woo! Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor that's why you can't worry about your haters. If you live long enough for Jesus, you're going to attract some haters. But I've learned you got to let your haters become your elevators. And you got to let them take you higher. I wish I had a witness in the building. I heard a story one time about some guys who got mad at a donkey. And so they threw that donkey into an old abandoned well. He landed at the bottom of the well and they said, we're going to bury him alive. So they started showing, throwing shovelfuls of dirt on top of the donkey. But every time a shovelful of dirt would land on the donkey's back, he would shake it off onto the ground, stomp on it a little bit, and let it take him a little bit higher. And the more dirt they threw on top of him, uh, the higher it elevated him uh, until he finally climbed out of the hole. Uh, am I talking to anybody in the building uh, who feels like you had some stuff thrown on you tonight? Uh, who's walking around like you got some dirt on you? I'll tell you what you need to do tonight. Uh, shake it off a little bit. Uh, and when it hits the ground, uh, just dance on it a little bit. Uh, and let it take you the dirt. Uh, keep on putting it on me. Uh, what the devil meant for evil. Uh, God turned it around uh, and meant it for good. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know we win. I wish I had somebody help me see it.
tonight. Shake off the discouragement. Shake off the fear. Shake off the sickness. Shake off the... Shake it off and let God take you higher. Whoa. Oh, yeah. house tonight I know it's Tuesday night but the same God that was in here on Sunday night uh, is in here on Tuesday night amen somebody I've I've at least five people on the way to your seat tell them I got the victory tonight Woo! just remain standing remain on your feet amen remain standing grab your Bibles Hallelujah. Tell them I got victory tonight. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody's still shouting over here tonight. I don't need no music to shout. I don't need the song to shout. Uh, I'm not waiting on my neighbor to shout. I'm not waiting on you. Uh, I'm not shouting for you. Uh, I'm not shouting to impress you. Uh, I'm not shouting for protocol. Uh, I'm not shouting because they're singing my favorite songs. Uh, But my Bible tells me uh, to shout unto God uh, with a voice uh, of Somebody in the building recognizes uh, that the weapons uh, of our warfare uh, are not carnal, uh, but they're mighty through God uh, to the... We used to sing a song, we'd sing, my praise is a weapon. And it's a revelation. Oh, yeah, it's a revelation to understand uh, that when I shout, the kingdom of hell shakes. Oh, it's a revelation to understand uh, that when I'm feeling a little tied up, uh, if I just give God the praise, uh, chains will begin to break. Uh, When I feel a little under the burden, uh, if I start to worship, uh, walls will come. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, walls come down when you shout. I just need a hundred believers in the building. Tell your neighbor, walls come down when you shout. It might look like nothing's happening, but march again. Shout again. Rejoice again. Run the aisle one more time. Do one more dance. Shout one
tonight. It's Tuesday night, but somebody's liable to get their miracle in this place. Hallelujah. 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 You might as well not play with it tonight. If you're going to give him the praise, go ahead and give him the praise. Somebody 
watching online has to rub the aisles in their living room. Feels like a Holy Ghost party up in here. We gotta calm down. We're supposed to be having Bible study tonight. crazy y'all crazy y'all crazy grab your Bibles grab your Bibles if I was a devil I wouldn't I'd put my finger up and bust for the back door in this place tonight Brother JJ, you're going to push me, son. You're going to push me, son. I can just shout just me in the organ. First Corinthians. <laughs> Woo! Who said you couldn't have fun at church? Who said you couldn't have a good time at church? Don't you know the joy of the Lord is your strength? The Bible says that. There's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost falls, there's a joy meter that goes up in this place. First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians. Joy, joy. Oh, great joy. Joy, joy. Down in my soul. Sweet, beautiful, soul-saving joy. Oh, joy. First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 15. I'm just trying to read one verse, y'all. Just one verse. How many of you remember a uh, week before last, I taught a lesson, the corruption interruption. And uh, I, I, I didn't get to finish because the Holy Ghost just, just stepped in. Is it all right if I just finish that tonight? Is it all right if I just finish teaching that lesson or however it comes out? Amen. One, one person said, teaching is telling it and preaching is yelling it. <laughs> we might teach a little, we might preach a little. Fact of the matter is that teaching is informational centric and preaching is inspirational centric. And with every bit of preaching, there's always some teaching. And with every bit of teaching, there's always a little bit of preaching. Amen. And so I don't know, we'll just let this unfold how it comes tonight. But I want to finish 
uh, where, where I left off uh, two Tuesdays ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, one verse of scripture. I want to just bring our minds back to this verse of scripture tonight. It simply says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And if you remember, we broke that verse down from the original language and it simply means that be not deceived because friends who are wrong in nature, word, or deed will decay or destroy your character. Tell your neighbor, it's important who your friends are. I know it's not a verse in the Bible, but it could be birds of a feather flock together. You can't be an eagle for Jesus and run with the buzzards. Come on, I wish I had a country amen in the building. I said you can't be an eagle uh, and hang out with the chickens. I know some of us like chickens, but if you're going to be an eagle, you got to find some eagles that you can soar with. Amen. And uh, you can be seated tonight. I'm just going to jump straight into this. Uh, a little bit of a recap. You'll remember that uh, we emphasized the context of this verse. That the writer begins by uh, declaring unto us to be not deceived. Indicating to us the proclivity of our human nature. The propensity of our nature to somehow think that the kind of friends or company we keep uh, will not affect our character. And so he tells us, be not deceived. If you keep company with and your friends and your circle of influence uh, are people who have a wrong spirit, uh, who think wrong, who speak wrong, whose actions, uh, then, then don't be deceived into thinking it's not going to affect you. They will corrupt your character. Amen. I, 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 I get weary because... Uh, you know, too many people they, they they take things out of context and 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 they they think that they're the savior. They get a savior complex. And there's it's it's one thing to be used as a vessel to reach somebody, but remember, you're not God. You're not the savior. Hello, somebody. And if they're going to ignore Jesus, what makes you think they're going to listen to you? And, and, and you have to remember that in, in the Old Testament, when, when the Bible uh, uh, gave instructions to the priesthood, it, the, it, it was implicit that, that the holy touched not the profane. Why? Because when the holy touched the profane, the profane didn't become holy but that which was holy became corrupted and became profane. Amen, somebody. And so the writer says, don't be deceived. Uh, the wrong people in your life uh, will corrupt your 
character. And so that was the subject of our study and what we want to continue with this week. You'll remember the example that we used of uh, the black walnut tree. How many of you remember that? that? That even within 60 feet of proximity to another tree, uh, the bitterness of its root system and the poison of that tree can affect other trees that are even within a 60-foot uh, radius from that tree. And, and, and above the surface, you can't even tell what's happening. Uh, uh, the wilting of the leaves and, and the, the, the fruit begins to die, and you don't even understand. But all of what is happening has to do with the root system and its connection below the ground. And so I want to pick up tonight, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you uh, to, to write, write your notes, use the app on your phone, whatever you got to do. These are important things uh, that you need to, to get into your spirit. Uh, you need to go home. You need to rewrite them, restudy them. Uh, but I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about five basic areas of influence, okay? Five basic areas of influence. And... Before we get into those five basic areas of influence, I, I first want to talk about the word influence. The word influence is a, a, a word that uses a prefix. The word, the word fluence uh, is indicative of liquid or the flow of a liquid. Fluence. And you'll find this word in, in many places throughout the English language, for example, uh, even dealing in language studies, we to describe somebody who uh, has mastery of a language, we would say that they are fluent in that language. What does that mean? It means that they're, they have such a command of the language that they are able to flow. Uh, send not just one word, but sentences and paragraphs and complete thoughts and conversations. They, they are fluent. There's fluency uh, to that. And so uh, the word fluence is indicative of, of something flowing. And when we talk about influence, uh, uh, there, there, there are some interesting things that come to mind. Uh, how many of you remember several years ago the the major concern in Southwest Florida over the red algae bloom. Anybody remember that just a few years back? And if you don't remember what, what that was or what happened, there was a phenomenon that began to unfold here in Southwest Florida. Uh, they began to find animals that were sick and then began to die in great numbers uh, all along the Gulf Coast here in Southwest Florida. And it began, it happened almost overnight and it was, it was a massive uh, amount of destruction that began to unfold. Uh, I think the statistics uh, said that over 600 sea turtles were found dead on the shores and close to 300 manatees and close to 300 dolphins uh, were found dead and, and then literally Tons and tons and tons of other species of marine life and fish begin to litter the shores of South. The smell was so bad that when you got within a half a mile from the coast, you could smell the stench of 
death for miles and miles and 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 it it, it was it had wildlife biologists uh, uh, in a complete panic and 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 the waters were were turning colors and so th there was an emergency effort to find out what was going on and what was causing all of this death and so they discovered uh, what they called red algae bloom and what was interesting is that this red algae this this particulate of uh, algae is is found almost at any time in the water it's it's its presence is is almost always there but it it stays in a very uh, minimal and non-intrusive or invasive level until something else causes it to bloom. And so they began to study and they found out uh, that the problem was not even in the waters of the Gulf of Mexico where the animals were swimming. That, that wasn't even where the problem was. But they began to research and find uh, that the problem was coming uh, from the Caloosahatchee River. Now, a little word study here. The Caloosahatchee River, the word Caloosahatchee in its native original language, Calusa was the Calusa Indians. The word Hatchee means river. So when you say Calusa Hatchee, you're saying Calusa River. But when you say Calusa Hatchee River, you're saying Calusa River River. But they begin to find that the problem was stemming from the river which empties out maybe 12, 13 miles from here into the Gulf of Mexico. And so as they begin to study the problem, uh, they begin to go upstream and they eventually found uh, that the problem did not originate where the death occurred. But the problem originated on the other side of the state, uh, almost at the headwaters of the river clear up by Lake Okeechobee. And what they discovered uh, is that sugarcane farmers uh, who were using particular fertilizers, uh, they, they were saturating the sugarcane fields uh, which were connected to canals and waterways uh, that eventually led to the Caloosahatchee. Uh, and these chemicals, this fertilizer, uh, had leached its way in large amounts into the stream. And as it began to saturate the stream, the Further the, the river came down towards the Gulf, uh, it passed many sugarcane farms uh, until the concentration of that fertilizer was so great uh, that when it got out into the open waters of the Gulf, uh, combined with the warm temperatures, uh, it caused a reaction uh, in that algae uh, that for all other intents and purposes uh, uh, was benign, uh, but when this foreign substance was introduced, uh, it caused it to bloom to levels uh, that begin to endanger the, 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 the wildlife uh, and eventually cause mass death in the wildlife. Uh, why are you saying all of this? Uh, because when you think about the word influence, uh, th there are some other words that you have to think about. For example, the word confluence. Uh, when you talk about rivers, uh, you're talking and you, and you use the word confluence. Uh, the prefix con means together. It is a place where two 
flows come together. It is called a confluence. But when you say influence, it is where one flow enters into a body of water. It influences. Influences Its flow uh, affects the constitution uh, of whatever body of water uh, that it is flowing into. Uh, and so when we talk about influence uh, and people having an influence, uh, you are connected by relationship uh, to people. Uh, and when you are connected to people, uh, there is an avenue uh, of influence. Uh, their flow uh, is entering into to your system uh, there and you're not in control of their flow uh, you're not in control of the content uh, of what is in their flow uh, and so they realized very quickly uh, that this flow coming from the river uh, is what was causing the problem uh, and so you've got to be careful uh, because if you don't understand how this works uh, you'll be going down the road in life like everything's okay uh, when all of a sudden symptoms begin to pop up and problems begin to arise and you scratch your head and say I don't even know where this is coming from why am I feeling like this why am I thinking like this why am I speaking like this and if you do your research and you begin to pray about it the Holy Ghost will begin to show you it is the power of influence in your life turn and tell your neighbor you gotta check your flow you got to inspect uh, what you got connect uh, to. Uh, you got to check uh, your connections. Uh, what is flowing into my life? Uh, what is streaming into uh, my I can't just let anything uh, pour into me. Uh, I can't just have any old relationship uh, because what you do uh, affects who I am. Uh, if we're friends uh, and you got sin in your life, uh, eventually uh, what's in your life uh, is going to affect my I wish I had a church in the building tonight uh, you've got to be discriminate uh, about the flow uh, that's in your uh, life you got to check uh, what is influencing uh, you wake up and realize oh my alright Jesus help me I've seen saints of God who were walking in victory. All of a sudden, their life begins to, to detour and they're acting strange and behaving strange. And, and then I, I pay attention and all of a sudden, I, oh, they, they developed a new relationship with that person over there. And they're acting just like them. They're speaking just, that sounds like them. That looks always, oh, ain't nobody going to shout amen up in the building. I've got to make sure uh, to check uh, my uh, flow. Uh, that's why I can't make my friends the carnal group in the church. Uh, that's why I got to come on, somebody. Uh, if you got bitterness uh, in your heart, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you and I can't be connected like that uh, because I can't afford the effects uh, of what's in your flow uh, to destroy the environment of life uh, that God has. Go, Come on, somebody. Uh, oh, you need to make sure uh, you protect uh, you know what I want to be influenced uh, 
I want somebody that's got something good in their water. Uh, that when I'm around them, uh, I feel like living for Jesus. Uh, when I'm around them, uh, my attitude is elevated. Uh, when I'm around them, uh, I feel like doing right before God. Uh, when I'm around them, uh, I want to get away from the world uh, and get closer. Come on, somebody. Uh, you've got to manage uh, the influence uh, that's in your life. Uh, and if you got influence uh, that is corrupt influence, uh, you've got to interrupt uh, the corruption. Uh, you've got to stop the flow. Uh, you've got to shut the water gate. Uh, you've got to turn. Uh, come on, is anybody in the building hearing uh, what I'm saying in the building? Uh, you have to interrupt uh, the corruption in your life. Influence. Influence. And so I, I, I can't just get stuck here tonight. But there are five basic areas that you have to be aware of that are channels of influence in your life. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. What we see has influence in who we are. I'm not talking about what society causes us to see, but what we purpose to fully view. A familiar saying uh, expresses the great influence of what we see when we say a picture is worth a thousand words. There is something about uh, what you see, what is in front of your eyes that has influence on you. It, it, it changes the direction of the flow. That's it. The impetus of the flow affects your flow. It affects, affects your stream. What you have, before, I'm going to preach in a moment. What you see, what you have before your eyes can, can affect who you become. Psalm 101 verse 3, David said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Why did he say that? Because he understood the influence of whatever I put before my eyes. It will influence me. It will cause me to change. Why do you think that today when you are, they're doing it right now via these cameras, they are streaming. They are streaming. Why do they use that terminology? Because there is a flow of information that is hitting your mind. That's why when people get the Holy Ghost, we start to teach them to get the television out of their house. Why? Because it is influencing who they are. What they are seeing. The, the, the production and the wickedness and the manifestation. It is the number one propaganda tool uh, of the world to influence uh, uh, I wish I had a witness in the building uh, what you see uh, will influence uh, who you be that's why we begin to teach people uh, to get Hollywood out of your life uh, 
Oh, I need some shouters up in the building tonight. I don't care if it's on a television screen, on a computer screen, an iPad screen, a telephone screen, or if they come out with holographs, virtual reality. Hey, if it's corruption, you need to get it out from in front of your eyes because it will influence who you become. Society you see, the generations coming up, they are simply a reflection of what they have been watching. They are a reflection of what they have been watching. The eye gate. I've got to protect. He goes on to write and says, I will send for an eye. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. He said, there is something about those wicked things that when I put them before my eyes, they reach out and they cleave unto me. They don't just want to touch me. They want to get a grip on me. They want It wants to hold on to me. The, the whole pattern and strategy of commercials and television program is to what? Keep your attention. That's what drives ratings. How do we keep, how do we hold on to them as long as we can while we deliver our information to them? Why do you think you get a little kid who gets accustomed to that screen and all of a sudden you can't get their attention to save your life? Why? Because it cleaves unto them. Hey, hello. Uh-oh, I'm going to preach where some of us are living. Hey, hey, I need you to come and throw the trap. Hey, honey, come on, dinner's ready. The house is burning down. What's happening? It is cleaving onto them. But if you're going to be what God wants you to be, you have to manage the influence. I need a shouting church in the building. You need to interrupt the corruption. Unplug that thing from the wall and throw it in the trash can. And if the kids haven't learned how to have boundaries with that iPad or whatever else, then you need to get it out of their hands. Come on, maybe the kid is 25 years old uh, and they still haven't learned the battle. I wish I had a witness in the building tonight. Uh, you've got to interrupt uh, the corruption. Uh, you need a revelation uh, that what is streaming uh, into my vision uh, is affecting uh, who I am. You can't watch nonsense. And be pleasing to God. Oh my. Second thing if you're taking notes. Another basic area of influence. Is what we hear. What we hear. And again this category is not. Primarily society's. Din and, and shouting of obscenities but what we purposefully seek out and relish and enjoy and dwell upon and repeat what 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 are we listening to 
What are we filling our ears with? And, and it's not always, but before I go there, and I will go there, but, but it's not always uh, uh, obscenities and uh, filth of that matter. Uh, the Bible says that Satan has transformed himself uh, into an angel of light. Uh, and so sometimes it, it sounds innocuous. Uh, it's, uh, sometimes it sounds like education. Uh, but it's not really education. Uh, it's indoctrination. Uh, I can't get no help up in the building. Uh, and what you're listening to uh, is informing you and it's indoctrinating you and you're not even taking what you're hearing and measuring it against the principles of God's word the Bible said let God be true and every man a liar I don't care if they've got a PhD a DHD a CPS an AFL an INC if they're the POPE or who they are baby if what they're saying is against what God's word is saying. They are lying. It is corrupt communication. And you got to learn how to interrupt the corruption. You got to learn how to shut that radio channel off. And say, I'm not listening to that nonsense. I'm not opening up. Come on. My ear is not a trash can for you to put whatever you want. That's why I can't have conversations with everybody. Because the words that they're speaking uh, are corrupt. Uh, Bible says to let no corrupt, your neighbor corrupt, communication proceed from out of your mouth. So if communication can proceed out of somebody's mouth corrupt, that means it goes into the ear of the listener as a stream of corruption. Some of us have gotten caught up in the trap of thinking just because I didn't say it doesn't mean I didn't partake in it. But you sat in the room listening to it. See, I'm a, I knew I'd lose some shouters right there. You think that being a silent participant uh, exempts you from the responsibility uh, of the flow of communication. Uh, baby, the moment you sit and listen to it, uh, you're just as guilty as the people uh, who are... I see, I, I can't get no help up in the building. Uh, when somebody comes and says, you know what they said about you? First question I want to ask is, what did you say? And, and, and why, did, why are you presenting yourself in a way that made them think it was okay to talk to you? I got people that, that come to me and they boast like, everybody always wants to come tell me all their problems. As if that's a badge of honor. You know what that means? They think you're a trash can. If you got a problem, that's where you go put it. Some of us need to change our identity uh, and quit carrying ourselves in a way uh, and making ourselves available in a way uh, that we are the recipients uh, of corrupt uh, communication. I don't want to hear about all your problem uh, and your issue uh, and how you don't like this uh, and all of your complaining. No, 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 baby. You need to take that. I need somebody to talk to. Yes, you do. His name is Jesus. Uh, he said, cast all your care uh, upon Cast all your care upon, 
for he cared. Don't bring it to me. Get it to the altar and give it to Jesus. If you got something to complain about, get it an altar until you don't have the complaint. Come on, somebody. You need to start living your life in a way that you're not the place everybody goes to dump their trash and spew their filth. And Oh, come on. You have to interrupt the corruption. You've got to protect your ears from the corruption. Oh my, I, I, I don't have time to stop there. Part three, next week. You've got to protect what you hear. This is, this is also why when people receive the Holy Ghost and they make a decision to start living for God, we begin to teach them to start going through the music you're listening to and get rid of everything that doesn't glorify God out of your live music library. You can't, you can't have that influence and it not affect who you are. You can't listen to that and have a pure heart before God. You can't be rolling down the street listening. When the pig try to get at you, drop it like And then wonder why you feel numb when you come to church and you feel... Uh, and you think the church has changed. No, the church is still the church. Uh, his glory is still just as powerful. Uh, but you've got corruption in your spirit. Uh, you've desensed it. Come on, somebody. Uh, you can't run around with your ears listening. Oh, let me hit some more of y'all tonight. You can't run around listening to all my exes live in Texas. Why hang my hat in Tennessee? <laughs> These babies don't even know that music, Brother Stewart. There's a tear in my beer, crying for you, dear. You are on my lonely mind. <laughs> she thinks my track is sexy. See, see. Yeah. You can't be listening to all that in here uh, and it not affect your heart uh, and your disposition. you got to interrupt uh, the corruption. Uh, some of us need to let the Holy Ghost touch us uh, until we go home uh, and start making our way through the playlist. Uh, come on, somebody. Wonder why you feel a certain way get home and you feel like cussing your husband out he ain't done nothing but worked all day long to support your I mean uh, but you've been listening to music about men cheating on their wives all day don't even know why you're feeling some kind of way. It's the corruption. It's the red bloom. Uh, that, that carnal thing, as long as you're praying in the Holy Ghost, uh, that carnal nature is suppressed. Uh, it's on the altar. Uh, but when the right substance comes from an area of influence, uh, it'll hit that carnal thing inside of you uh, and cause it to bloom and grow. Uh, and because, Come on, I, I, those ain't angel wings on the back of your shoulders. Uh, come on, you know good and well who you are without the Holy Ghost. Uh, you know good 
good and well the kind of thoughts you have uh, when you're not doing what's right. Come on, I need some witnesses in the building. You know good and well the kind of attitude you can get uh, and the kind of things you can say. Uh, you got to protect the flow uh, in your, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm going to keep that on the altar. Uh, I'm going to keep that in submission to God. Uh, I'm going to keep that thing buried. Uh, I'm not going to let anything revive it uh, and bring it back alive. Come on, somebody. You have to interrupt uh, the corruption. And then you get some Christians who drive me crazy when they say dumb stuff like, I don't even pay attention to the lyrics. I just like the music. First of all, you just indicted yourself. If you are not responsible enough to be aware of the lyrics, you certainly don't have no business running your own playlist. See, I can't buy a witness in the building. I just like the beat. I just like the beat. Do you think just because you tried to ignore the lyrics that they didn't enter your subconscious mind and affect your spirit? Come on now, the spirit world bypasses our little pea brain huh, and goes directly to the spirit. I'm going to preach in a minute. Somebody better amen and come get me because I'll stop right here and preach for another hour. There is spiritual impartation with music. When Saul was, was being bothered by demons, he brought David in not to sing. He brought him in to play. It wasn't lyrics that drove the demons back. It was his anointed music that had a spirit-to-spirit connection. And so the music doesn't even need the lyrics to corrupt your spirit. It doesn't even have to have a cuss word or a bad. Come on, the fact that its origin of anointing comes from a place of evil is all it needs to deliver corruption. I wish I had a witness in the building tonight. Matter of fact, I'll take you to see the witch doctors in Haiti. As they do their seance, their music has no lyrics. It's just beats on a drum. And they're dancing to the beat of a drum. And it serves as a conduit and a channel of corruption to flow. You have to interrupt the corruption. This is why you got to pray every day uh, because you got to have the Holy Ghost at work in your life. Uh, you got to have some discernment. There's been times I've listened to stuff uh, that was supposed to be gospel music uh, that all of a sudden I detected something uh, in my spirit. I said, you know what? Uh, there's some corruption going on right here. Uh, I, this is making me feel so I don't even need that. In, come on, somebody. Uh, but you ain't going to get that if you're not praying uh, in the Holy Ghost. Corruption, interruption. Tell your neighbor what you hear matters. What you hear matters. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing. There is an impartation of spirituality that comes just by what you hear. And if it can happen with faith, uh, it can happen with fear. Uh, it can happen with discouragement. Uh, it can happen, come on, anybody beside me uh, ever just heard something uh, that made you discouraged? Uh, heard something that made you, what? there's an impartation uh, that takes place uh, with what you hear. 
Number three, I'm trying to hurry. It's 846 if you're taking medicine. Number three, what we think is another area of influence. And all of these have a point at which they connect and there is a confluence here. But what we think, again, this is not referring to just passing foolish thoughts that Satan or our environment tries to inject into our mind, but what, what do we dwell upon and, and revel in and, and determine to carry out after planned thinking? You, you, have, to, you have to control your thoughts. Uh, if I had to put it into a percentage, uh, I, I would say that 90% of people's struggles uh, come from the lack of ability uh, to control uh, their thinking. Whoa! You said something stupid because you thought something stupid. I can't get See, I lost all my shouters right there. You lost your temper up here uh, before you lost it right here. Come on. You did the horrible deed up here before you ever did. If you can win the battle here, you can win it in the rest of your. You got to learn how to gird up the loins of your mind. You got to learn how to win the battle of influence in your thinking. Woo! I get tired of a society that says, have an open mind. Open your mind. Their mind is so open that their brains have fell out. You know, I don't read one place in the Bible that says anything about an open mind. But I do read where it says to gird up the loins. Protect your mind. No, it's not. There's a fence around my, my mind. And it's got gates. And it's got locks. And it's got lasers. And it's got guard dogs. And it's got armies and machine guns. Why? Because I don't let just anything come into my mind. And my Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think eventually is what you you become I should have somebody running the aisles right there I said what you think is what you eventually become you gotta control your thinking you'll never go higher than what you think you gotta control your thoughts here's, here's what the Bible says get this for me media team 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 5. Listen to this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strong. First thing I want you to notice here is that the weapons are not carnal. That means that you have to think at a spiritual level. Thinking has a lot more to do with spirituality uh, than what you think it does. No pun intended. Uh, your thinking is connected uh, to the spirit realm. The weapons of our warfare, 
listen, he's going to tell us what the weapons are in a moment. Uh, they're mighty through God, listen, to the pulling down uh, of uh, strongholds. What are the strongholds? Uh, I'll tell you before we get to the next verse. Uh, strongholds are particular ways of thinking. You want to know the key to some people's deliverance? If you could ever get them to pull down the stronghold of how they think about things. Things that were strongholds that were built by the way they were raised. Strongholds that were built because of life experiences. They've developed particular pathos or pathologies. Ways of thinking. Ah, I can't get into this. There are ruts dug into their mind deep. Pathos every time this is happens this is how I react every time this takes place this is how I look at it what are they they are strongholds of thought that are pushed into the mind but what does the next verse say it says casting down imaginations oh, imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the Knowledge. Here we are in the thoughts uh, and bringing uh, into uh, captivity uh, every uh, thought. Here's, here's what the problem is. Too many people, if you were to open their mind, it looks like a zoo where they opened the cage to all the animals and they're all running around loose. And the tiger's just doing what the tiger wants to do. He gets mad and gets hungry, he's gonna go eat a flamingo. No restraint. And the zebra's over here doing what he wants to do. He's tearing up the gardens. And the giraffe is over here harassing the elephants. They just, no constraints. And that's what happens when you have thoughts that are, that are not captive. What, what do they do with when an animal is in the wild and they bring it into, they bring it into captivity. You know what they're saying? You will no longer run around wild doing whatever you want to do. But I'm going to bring you into the confines of a structure. Here are the boundaries that you will live in the rest of your life. That's what some of us need to learn how to do with our thinking our life is out of control because our thoughts are out of control. I can't get no help. Your marriage is out of control because how you think about your marriage is out of control. Come on, your friendships are out of control because how you think, you know what you need to do? You need to get your thoughts and bring them into captivity. There's a reason this language is used because nothing that is wild wants to be put into captivity. Your carnal flesh doesn't want to be tethered and tied uh, and accountable uh, and have boundary lines. Uh, come on, too many of us just say what we think uh, and act on how we feel uh, and we live by our emotions uh, and we follow our heart. Follow my heart. That's the fastest way to destroy your life. 
because the heart is exceeding and desperately wicked above all things. And if you follow your heart, you're following the carnal nuances of your fleshly humanity. Don't you dare follow your heart. Follow the word of God and bring your heart into captivity. Your mind and your heart. Come on, somebody. Bring it into captivity. I will not follow my heart. My heart will follow the word of God. Oh, yeah. I'm preaching real good to somebody in the building. You need to learn how to get a hold of your emotions and quit letting your emotions run you around. Mad when you every time you turn around. Upset every time you turn around. Angry, come on. You've got to bring your thoughts into captivity. Number four, if you're taking notes, write it down. What we read is an area of influence. Some of y'all reading your text message right now instead of paying attention to the preaching. Your carnal nature is taking you out of the flow of the Holy Ghost. The influence. What you read Words, the written word is powerful. Don't you ever get it twisted that because we live in an age of technology where reading has become more and more antiquated, don't you ever underestimate the power of the written word. It is so powerful that it is the method by which God chose to preserve his word to his people. Come on, somebody. We have a written word that God chose. The fire couldn't burn it. The flood couldn't destroy it. Come on. Principalities couldn't ban it. It's the written. There is power. It is the manifestation of the thoughts and the imagination. And what you read has influence. That's why if you in this word every day, what are you doing? You're allowing God's word to influence you. You're allowing his word to change and shape how you think. You're allowing his word to shift how you feel about, come on somebody, feel about things. So you have to protect that area of influence. That's why when you get the Holy Ghost, you should quit reading romantic novels. I, I, I heard something a while back, blew my mind. They said, no, they're Christian romance novels. You know what that's a sign of? You've got a lack of real love relationships going on in your life that you're trying to make them a, come on, I, oh. There's some people right now getting uncomfortable in the building. You need to put that stuff down. You're sitting there reading. He was so infatuated with her. As he drove his car to her house, his mind was flooded with only thoughts of her beauty and her great value to him. My, my husband don't think that way about me. Fantasy worlds. 
he opened the back door of the car where he had 16 dozen roses. He rolled a carpet from the door of the car to the front door of the house and called her name from the porch. My love, my dove, my fair one, he don't ever talk to me that way. I don't even remember the last time I got flowers for anything. And all of a sudden, you start feeling some kind of way. And, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm not even going to touch it because it's Tuesday night. I'm not even going to get into the erotica. Wonder why your love life is messed up. Wonder why you're dealing with lust and sin issues because you've opened up a Pandora's box and you think because there's no pictures that it's not pornography. what you read my God nowadays you, you can't even read the whole newspaper did, did they even make such a thing anymore we've got so messed up we think if we read it on the internet that it's true what you read has to be filtered through the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Ghost in our life Amen, somebody. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And written word is just a manifestation of what is spoken. And if the source comes from a place that's broken and messed up, it's eventually going to corrupt your life. It's eventually going to start causing problems and issues with how you think about things. Come on, somebody. And then the one I want to end with tonight, and I, and I promise I'll be done in, in about at least an hour from now. I'm joking. But I will be done before Waffle House closes. <laughs> Number five, if you're writing this down, what company... We keep, and this is really the area of focus that we've been on. What company that we keep? One of the most influential forces in our lives is the company we keep. If you look at the scientific studies of the power of peer influence, it would blow your mind. For a certain age space with young people, uh, Parents, listen, their peers have five to six times more influence than you do. You better be careful who little Johnny's running around with. You better be careful who you let little Sally hang out with. That little girl that has behavioral problems and issues going on. Come on, she's a source of influence uh, to your child. I can't buy an amen up in the building. That's why I didn't let, I, I, my, my boys grew up, I didn't let them just go over anybody's house. There were some streams that had some contaminants uh, that I wanted to make sure didn't end up in my boys' lives. 
I'm not talking about acquaintances, passing acquaintances, but who are the people that we become comfortable with and whose presence and company we enjoy and, and intentionally make common room for them in our life? Here's what Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20 says. He that walketh with wise men shall be counted wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Just making friends with fools will destroy your character and your life. Don't be a fool. I pity the fool. I read that in a book somewhere. <laughs> That's why we, we have to be careful not to become foolish. I, you know, I feel like just hitting this for a moment. Bible talks about avoiding foolish jesting. Don't make it your goal to be known as the jester of the group. Okay, let me just put it in common terms. Don't play the fool. And if your jesting has to involve exposing somebody's weakness, that's corrupt. That's not funny. That's corrupt. I don't care who laughs about it. When that becomes your MO is to figure out how to tease people, that speaks about something in your character that's messed up. There's an insecurity in you. There's something broken inside of you. Why don't you flip that around? and start being known as somebody who lifts people up. Come on. Why don't you flip that around and start becoming known as somebody uh, who encourages people, uh, who, who finds the good in them, uh, who highlights. Uh, I, I know they're crazy, uh, but man, have you ever seen how well uh, they can do this over here? Uh, man, I sure like that about them. Uh, come on, I'm preaching to some people uh, who need to repent over foolish jesting. Uh, talk to us leaders for a minute. One of the things that comes by default with leadership is influence. What's in your stream, leader? When you're connected to people, what are you putting into them? What does your influence look like? If you're going to be a leader that God wants you to be, you've got to check your flow. Come on, somebody. I should at least have anybody who's in leadership in this church standing up saying, amen, Bishop, preach to me tonight. If you don't protect the influence that God's given you, it won't be long before you lose it. 
Because wise people uh, won't remain connected uh, to foolish leadership. I can't get them to listen to anything I say. I guess you can't. They'll do it if you ask them, but they won't do it if I... <laughs> Chill out, chill out, chill out. Breathe, breathe. It's going to be okay. Music come, give them some hope. Bring the paddles to resuscitate them. Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom because he did not have the discernment to understand the power of influence. He, he didn't have the discernment to understand that if I take my family and put them in this environment, it's going to influence who we become. And before it is all said and done, here is a young man who is the nephew of faithful Abraham, grew up under the tutelage of one of the greatest men in scripture who was the friend of God. There was nobody closer to God than Abraham was. And before it's all said and done, Sodom begins to influence him. And before you know it, he's offering his two daughters up as prostitutes. Loses his family. His wife can't get over Sodom and Gomorrah because of the influence. I feel like telling somebody this. The people that you lead, sir, your wife, your children, you might be able to make it out of Sodom alive, but what about them? When you get done exposing them to all that stuff, you might find a way to escape its clutches, but what about them? You better protect the influence of your family that's in your family's life. Samson and Delilah had a covenant with God. God's hand was upon him, but he hooked up with the wrong girl. He thought he was deceived into thinking that evil communication would not cause corruption. I can, I can have this relationship and still live for God, fine. I can have this relationship and friendship and, and still it not affect who I am. You've heard me preach it before, but her name literally means to corrupt or decay. Look at Amnon, and I'm hurrying to close. You can stand, stand with me all over this house. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 13, media team. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. Listen what the Bible says about Amnon. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. It was his sister, and he loved her. They had a great relationship, but look what the next verse says. 
And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. He was, he was caught in a moment, a, a, a struggle where he was saying, you know what? This is my sister. I've got to respect her. I've got to love her. I, I, I can't do the wrong thing because uh, I have to cherish her and far be it from me. But listen to the opening part of verse number three. But Amnon had a friend. I wonder how many storylines I could tell in this church. Yeah, so-and-so, they used to do this for God and they were involved here and man, they were doing, but they had a friend. Man, they were on fire for God and they were praying involved and they were doing so, but they had this friend. whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. The only other place I find that description used for anybody else is in the garden when it says that he was more subtle than any other beast of the field. To be subtle means to make changes at such a slow and delicate way that they are imperceived, they're imperceptible by the other person. I'll do stuff to you that you don't even know it's done until it's done. Say things to cause change in your life that you don't even realize is happening. And I don't have time to finish the story, but his influence, he talks him into raping his sister. Rapes his sister until his brother rises up and kills him and causes a catastrophe in the family. Why? You could trace it all the way back to an Amnon had a friend. I wonder if there's people in this room tonight that the, the, the future and the storyline of your destiny can be altered because you had a friend. Oh, but I could tell you some other stories. I can tell you John Sperlaza's life was on a downhill spiral. But he had a friend named Steve. <laughs> because who your friends are changes the course of your destiny. The same thing that happens with the wrong connection happens when you get the right connections in your life. Come on, somebody. I don't have time to preach all of this tonight. I want us to come as I prepare to close tonight. I want everybody to come to the front tonight. Grab your family and your friends that are around you. We're going to come together to the altar tonight. There are some things that I believe God is dealing with in this house. Two Tuesday nights ago and again tonight. Come on, just keep coming. Get as close as you can. We're a church that's in love with the altar. Amen.
Thank you. Thank you, Sister Lavani, for clapping your hands. I'm going to give everybody else a chance. We're a church that's in love with the altar. When God brings a word like he did last Tuesday and this Tuesday, it's not just to take up time on a Tuesday night. It's not just so that we can check the box and say we had a lesson and we sang some songs and we did what you're supposed to do. It is because God is working in this house. And there are, come on, there are particular things that God is dealing with us in our hearts. One of the beautiful things about the Holy Ghost and His Word is that when His Word goes forth, it, it has manifold works that happen in a congregation. It speaks to one person this way and it speaks to that person in another area and it deals with this family in this situation. And there are some actions that God wants us to take in our life because if all you do is come and hear a sermon and you don't make some changes in your life, Bible says you're like a man who beholdeth his face in a mirror. The Word of God is reflecting and showing you there's some things you got to address. But you walk away and you forget what God showed you about you. I'll leave you with this. The Word of the Lord came to Saul through the mouth of the prophet. And he said, I want you to go I want you to destroy all of the Agagites. Don't leave a single thing alive. Kill the dogs, the sheep, the cats. Sorry, cat lovers. The goldfish, the goats, the horses, the, 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 the lizards, everything. Every person, don't leave one thing alive. But Saul had the same problem of being deceived. And there was always this thing about, man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There was always this, this characteristic of Saul that every time the word came forward, he had a yeah but in his pocket. I know that's what he said, but. I know that's what, what, what he preached, but. And over and over and over again, he disobeyed what God was trying to tell him. Kill the Amalekites. Kill, kill them all. But, of course, he leaves a man by the name of Agag alive. And you read it in your Bible. Number one, it was an Agagite that helped kill him on the side of a hill. The last person he looked into the eyes was an Agagite as he took his last breath. Wouldn't have killed him if he would have done what God said. But it goes further than that. And here's the impetus of what I feel tonight. 1,300 years later, 
Divide by 40, that'll tell you how many generations. There's a young girl by the name of Esther whose entire family and people are being threatened with genocide by a man named Haman who is a descendant of Agag. What you do not kill now will come back to try and destroy your entire lineage. The connections that you don't manage now, mom and dad, will come back to haunt you. And there are some things over the past two Tuesday nights that we've dealt with the subject that the Holy Ghost is talking. And let me just tell you, you want to know the easiest way to tell what parts were for you and what parts God was really trying to say? What was the stuff that caused you to want to resist the most? What were the parts that made you fold your arms? What were the parts that made you shake your... What were the parts that made you want to sit? Come on, somebody. I need some people to be honest with themselves in the building. Because the carnal mind is the enemy of God. It is not subject to the law of God. Whatever it is that your carnal mind resisted the most, that ought to be the very thing that you put your finger on and say, there it is. That's the area God's trying to work in my life. That's the thing God's trying... Come on, I want us to lift our hands all over this building tonight for just a few moments. Come on, I want us to lift our hands and lift our voices all over this house. And I want us to begin to pray right now. God, help us tonight. God, we don't want to just be hearers of your word, but we want your word to find its place in our spirit and in our mind and in our hearts. God, help us tonight, Jesus. God, help us. Help us to identify the sources, God, of influence that are bringing corruption and poison and and wrong thinking to our life. Come on, somebody. Uh, Come on. Is it something I'm listening to? Uh, Is it somebody that I'm listening to? Uh, Is it things that I'm putting before my eyes? Is it stuff that I'm letting my ears listen to? Is it stuff that I'm reading? Is it it thoughts that I keep on entertaining tonight? Uh, Come on, tonight, God, we plead your blood. We plead your blood over our hearts. We plead your blood over our minds. Come on, I need some parents tonight their children in this place. I need some husbands who know how to pray over their wife and their children. I need some mamas tonight that know how to pray over your children and your family tonight. Come on. In the name of Jesus, God, give me the wisdom. Give me the wisdom to manage the relationships in my life that need to be changed. Give me the wisdom, God. Oh, come on in Jesus
want some praise in this house. Woo, come on. The writer said, create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a right spirit in me, Jesus. Come on, somebody needs, if you'll pray, God will help the way you think. If you'll pray, God will transform your mind. If you'll pray, God will give you the courage that you need to make the changes. Come on, if you'll pray, God will give you discernment and wisdom tonight. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name, come on. God's talking to you right now about some things. Go ahead and make a commitment to him right now while you're praying. Come on, God's challenging you about some things. Go ahead and repent right now while you're praying. Come on, God's dealing with you about some stuff. How much longer are you going to let it corrupt you? How much longer are you going to let it affect? Come on,